I'm Denise. She's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise. She's a fiction editor. And together, we're the Editing Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Editing Podcast. So this week, we're going to talk about one tip editors and proofreaders who use Twitter need to know about. That's right, just one. And it's basically a principle that we've decided to use to guide us when we're thinking about what to tweet or retweet, what to reply to, and who or even whether to tag. Yeah, and it's not a rule by any means, and you might disagree with our approach, but we're putting it out there because it's based on not just how the Twitterverse operates, but on how tweeting affects the visibility of content more broadly. Yeah, so that single tip is don't tweet about content you hate. That's our bold approach. We don't mention it, we don't tag it, don't link to it, don't draw attention to it. Yep, we ignore it completely. So we thought we'd use a rather silly example to demonstrate why we take this approach and to help you understand the mechanics behind that decision. (laughs) So imagine this. Someone writes a blog post called Louise's accent is horrid. Also, (laughs) I know, poor Louise, yeah. Also, let's imagine that it's not the first time they've made their views about accents like yours, but hey, it's their blog and they're free to write what they want on the platform that they own. Yeah, so let's backtrack for a moment. So when it comes to blogging, most people want their blog posts to be read. Otherwise, Mm. there's no point in making them public. You might as well just write a diary or a journal, and then at least you don't have to spend time thinking about SEO and metadata and headings and images and bullet points and all the other stuff that makes a blog a great blog. Yeah, so unless you're uber famous and have a massive online following and hundreds of thousands of subscribers, you're going to need to take action to make that lovely blog post visible if you don't want it to be buried in the billion other blog posts that are available online and that means you're going to have to get your marketing head on and start promoting it yeah so maybe you've got a newsletter so you include a link to it in that perhaps you're in some facebook or linkedin groups where blog promotion is encouraged so you pop a link in there as well maybe you're on twitter so you schedule it there too and it's likely that it'll get seen by the people who already follow you and hopefully a few who don't all good stuff it is all good stuff But it's quite a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. And what's brilliant is when someone outside your network draws attention to it and shares it, they talk about it, they link to it, or they tell other people that you wrote it and how they might find you and that thing that you wrote. I'm always so, so grateful when people share my blog posts and draw their network's attention to who I am and what I've written. Mm. Yes, it's collegial and lovely. But it's also other people doing some of your marketing for you, which is indeed (laughs) utterly brilliant. Utterly brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's the same thing when people do that with our podcast. It's incredibly generous because it's so much more than being supportive. Like you said, they're actually doing marketing for us, making the thing we recorded visible and shareable beyond our own reach. Yeah. So now let's go back to the accent knocking blog. Let's imagine Denise finds out about that blog post and is utterly furious because her darling pal's voice has been critiqued. And Denise, I can assure you, is not an accent knocker. Are you lovely? No, indeed I am not. I love all accents and I welcome them in my ears. And so while I might be raging, and I would because I love your accent very much and I would worry that the accent knocking blogger had made you feel upset, I will not be drawing attention to that blog. 
No, and nor will I. Now, it's more than likely that Denise and I will pop on to Messenger or Zoom and have a rant about it because mm-hmm. those spaces are private. Yep. But we will not be doing that on Twitter. Why? Because that would be promoting the accent knocking content that we fundamentally disagree with. Exactly. We'd be doing the accent knocking bloggers marketing for them. And that's a very generous thing to do for content that you fundamentally disagree with. A very, very <laughs> generous thing to do. Because now, in addition to all the people in the Accent Knocking Bloggers Network seeing it, all the people in our networks will get a handle on it too. That's potentially triple the engagement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people will pop over to the Accent Knocking Bloggers website and read all about how Louise's accent is horrid. And they might not like what they're reading. They might actually hate what they're reading, but... But Google doesn't care. No. It just doesn't. All Google's seeing is lots of people landing on that web page, which is what a blog post is. It's just another web page. And spending time pouring over every word about my supposedly horrid accent. How dare they? And then clicking through to other pages on that website to see if there's any other content that they don't like. After all, it might not be just Louise's accent that's been targeted, but the voice of some other friend or colleague. Yeah, and Google's algorithm thinks, oh, look how much interest there is in this blog post and in other areas on the same website. Let's give it a low bounce rate, which means Mm. it ranks higher for keyword searches. Exactly. Higher. Exactly. Because that is how Google works. It doesn't care whether web page content is horrid or blooming lovely, does it? It only cares if it's interesting. So when we encourage people to read online content that we disagree with by talking about it online, by sharing it online, by directing people to it online, we're actually promoting it. And if I was the accent knocking blocker, knocking blogger? (laughs) If I was the accent knocking blogger, I would be delighted. Yeah, absolutely thrilled to bits. If that was me, I'd be thanking all the accent embracers for making not only my accent knocking blog post more visible but my entire website too (laughs) I mean job done but it's not just search that we have to consider it's Twitter too yeah so algorithms are in play here too tweets that get engagement loves retweets quote tweets and comments tell the Twitter algorithm that the content is interesting to people And so people in the same network as a tweeter who's posted something that's getting a lot of traction are going to see that thread higher up in their busy Twitter feed. So let's think about that accent knocking blog again. If I was to tweet about that blog post, seeing how much I loathe it, how much it disgusts me, that's going to get my network wondering why. And if they start commenting, loving and retweeting my tweet to show their endorsement of my position, to show their support for me, Everyone in their network is going to find out about the horrid thing the accent-knocking blogger wrote about Louise's accent too. And so it gets amplified, doesn't it? And elevated in various Twitter feeds in the editorial community. And the accent-knocking blogger gets even more visits to their website. And if that were me who'd written that blog post, I'd go from being thrilled to ecstatic because it's hard getting noticed on Twitter, isn't it, Denise? (laughs) It really is. The feed moves fast because of the sheer volume of content. And it's the interesting stuff that has longevity, especially contentious, interesting stuff. Yeah. Boring, nice stuff disappears. You blink and poof, it's gone. (laughs) (laughs) So what the two of us do is to think about the different kinds of interesting. And basically that boils down to interesting stuff we want to promote, 
And interesting stuff we want to fall off a cliff. Yeah. Not to put yeah. too fine a point on yeah. it yet. Yeah. So the interesting stuff that we want to promote, like blog posts about embracing different accents or an editorial conf- conference we're interested in, or a new podcast about language or a funny story about a friend's kid, anything like that we'll engage with because we're happy if that results in better search rankings for the website that stuff's on or elevation in our colleagues' Twitter feeds. Yeah, whereas interesting stuff we want to fall off a cliff, like negative things being said about my accent, Mm -hmm. we ignore. Because ignoring it means it doesn't get traction. Ignoring it means we're not calling out to the algorithms, boy, over here, look at this, make it visible. Ignoring it means we're not promoting or marketing something we don't agree with. Yeah, and why would we? If someone tells me that a particular restaurant's food is disgusting... I'm not going to give it a five-star review. And in essence, that's exactly what we're doing when we engage with content we disagree with. Yeah, and that's really important because actually there's no such thing as bad or good when it comes to how the algorithms rank content. There's only interesting and boring. Interesting is the five-star reward, even if it's horrid interesting. Yep, and boring is the one-star reward, even if it's nice boring. And that's why we don't tweet about content we hate. So have a think about that. Now, maybe you're passionate about a particular topic and you love using Twitter. If that's the case, think about what you might do as an alternative. Yeah, so you could engage with and link to tweets and threads that endorse positive action being taken about the thing you care about, content that you do want to promote and support, like a new accent embracing webinar, for example. Mm, Yes, or you might write your own tweets about organisations and communities whose values you share like the Institute of Accent Embracers (laughs) and link to those groups online spaces so that other people in your network become aware of them. And that way you're elevating that content in the feed and doing a teeny weeny little bit to make those groups web pages more findable in the search engines. Or maybe you could write your own blog post or create some other piece of content about embracing accents or whatever you're passionate about and then share that on Twitter in the hope that your network will get behind you and promote it. And if you're really lucky, someone who disagrees with you might choose to draw attention to the thing you've created and use Twitter to say how rubbish it is. And if they do, pat yourself on the back and be happy. Yes, because they're doing some of your marketing for you. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to help support the editing podcast, you can join our Patreon community for only £3 a month. Yeah, we'd love to have you on board. So if you're interested, hop over to patreon.com forward slash editing podcast. All our patrons get exclusive access to a huge batch of transcripts. And we'll pop a link in the show notes for you. In the meantime, she's been Denise. And she's been Louise. Join us again next time. And I hope you like both our accents. (laughs) Of course, how could you not? (laughs) Bye. Bye! Hello and welcome back to the Editing Podcast. So this week we're going to talk about one tip editors and proofreaders who use Twitter. <laughs> use Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> who use Twitter? Okay. Twitter. <laughs>